Education. Uh, with me today um, is Slayer Kitty and Hey Jealousy09. Hello. Hello. Uh, so, right off the bat, let's talk about the title of this episode. Does anybody really want to um, talk about why it's called Special Education? Because I've always, it's always a little, I mean, is it because Brittany and the Comb thing or what? I almost I, took it as it was. Almost like Will is getting some education. Like, because he goes through, like, with um, Emma saying stuff to him about how, like, he's always doing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. And he's always, you know, Ben and Rachel sing, and then Mercedes belts out the last note, and so he kind of changed it up. So I took it as Will getting (laughs) his special education. But, I mean, I think maybe it has to do with some of the Dalton stuff, too, because this is the first episode that we see Kurt at Dalton. And Mm -hmm. Kurt's first scene opens with him putting on the Dalton uniform. Well, it's probably, you know, encompassing. I mean, mean, Rachel getting kind of a special education and how to be a team player and sit out. And well, did you guys notice everyone is mad in this episode too? Like not so much the the warbler and the Kurt storyline, but the other storylines. Just everybody's mad at each other in this episode. <laughs> I I mean I guess I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, they are, and it's sort of one of those things where I, this is one of the I don't know I guess the regionals or pre. Well, this is sectional. Or sectionals, I'm sorry. Pre, well, I was just going to say pre-contest or whatever you want to call them, things where the new directions has to fall apart and then put put themselves back together. That's Before true. they can go on and save the day at the last minute. <laughs> um, this actually does have one of my favorite green room scenes when they're all like yelling at each other and, and Lauren is like, best green room ever. <laughs> That is pretty good. 
All right, so yeah, let's jump into um, this is the first time we see Kurt as a warbler. Yay! Yay! He's got his cute little blazer, and he looks just as good as Blaine as he's walking down the hall and high fiving <laughs> some random dude. And high five. <laughs> that always cracks me up. It's like, and he looks so startled that some dude wants a high five. Like, what? What? <laughs> what? What? What is this? I don't. I don't understand. Am um, I? You know, like he just so it's so funny. I I love that he has his hippo brooch because it it he, it can't be a Kurt Hummel um outfit without something that is him, you know. And I guess it does tie into some of the themes of the episode too, where you know a lot of it has to do with Dalton kind of being this uniform thing and and Kurt's got a wants to be individualistic. Well, and I I think that might go back to the overall theme of the episode which is where you were saying, you know, they were learning how to be like a team and well, this is there's actually an actual I'm pretty sure yeah, it's in this episode where they talk about how at Dalton you don't stand out, you're a member of a group. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about that particular scene a little a little more in depth, but I mean, so that seems to be the overall theme of the episode, and um, and it, I think that competition is the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Competition episodes on the show, as a whole, tend to be the more better written, better like it really they tend to work better as far as plot and, and writing and everything goes, than some of the other episodes do. Now, I don't know if that's because they're usually written by Ryan Murphy, or if it's just, just luck of the draw. We'll give Ryan kind of Murphy a little bit of credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just interesting you say that, because I'm inclined to disagree, but not, like, I I think that, like, sectionals was really good, and Journey to Regionals is good, and through season two, they're all really good ones. Um, I said as a but whole, <laughs> not all of them. Season three, they start to become bloated messes because they're trying to stuff too much well, in. Well, the so. first one, the sectionals one in season three is okay, but the regionals one is a hot mess. Oh, yeah. And exactly. that's, a, that's, then, a, that's a whole other podcast, though. Yep, and then when we get to nationals and I, I give my rant so that you don't need to hear me give it again because yeah. I keep giving it. <laughs> I yeah, I do normally like the competition episodes, and I I like this episode, but I do tend to watch it with clang goggles on. So do I. Rewatch today was probably the first time I've watched the episode as From a whole in yeah. like two years. So like there was a lot of stuff that I had just completely like I forgot that this was like a really big breakup between Finn and Rachel at the end. Yeah. I totally mm-hmm. forgot about that. Which, which cheating is involved, because, you know, staple of uh, Ryan Murphy shows, apparently. Yep. He doesn't know but. what monogamy is. And yet, <laughs> he's still with the same... He's still married to the same man that he's been with for, like, ever. So apparently yeah, he not, can do monogamy in real life, but just not on his TV shows. Well, that's not his first relationship, though, so... <laughs> and he may have an open relationship. We don't know. That's true, and that's about as far as I want to examine that thought. <laughs> oh, I love it. Ten minutes in, we've always got, got already gone to a weird place. I love it. Um, <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to comment about Dalton, I love, Dalton is so pretty, 
and just the lighting of this episode is gorgeous. Well, and I like that it's picked oh, go such ahead. a great location for Dalton. And I forget, is it the the Crawford Mansion? Is that what it's called? Something. I it's an. I mean, it's a place that gets hired out for all kinds of location shoots and weddings and everything. So it's, you know. How do I get married at Dalton? You can if you want to pay for it. All right. I don't even care who I'm getting married to. I just want to get married myself. You know, I, I at least I'm pretty sure you can still get married there. I, I, I want to say that they rent this out for all kinds of stuff. I forget what the actual name of the mansion is. Oh, but so, and leave it to Ryan Murphy. I'm sure that he scouted around for all these places that could feasibly be Dalton, and this is the one he picked, and I think he made a really what? good choice. Isn't it in the script that it's considered gay Hogwarts? Or just, I what? don't recall... I swear there's a script that maybe I'm just making that up. I can't remember what fandom has said and what's, like, actual real. I know. know. (laughs) At a certain point, especially in season two when we had so little to work with, it's so hard to remember what we made up and what was actual canon at some point. Yeah. Mm. Especially now because we've come so far from it. Like, I really just don't even remember. Me neither. Like, um, for the longest time, I swore there was a canon reason or a canon indication that Carol, you know, Finn's mom, that she's a nurse. Yeah, and there's not. There's not. Oh, I've rewatched right. every single episode. There's no mention of her actual job that I have ever come across. But in every fan fiction, she's a nurse. And it is literally fanon, like Finn and Law, Carol is a nurse. She does not have any other job. Yeah. Well, getting back to the scene, um, the, the other thing I wanted to mention about Dalton, I think there's an interesting contrast that it is so bright and, and warm and kind of this classic feel to it, which is um, kind of this big giant contrast to the drabness of McKinley. Um, and I, I, it's interestingly misleading because Kurt arrives and, and everybody's high-fiving him and smiling at him and everything, but it, it isn't exactly the paradise as we get into the Warbler scene that he thinks it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So, um, we get into our first... Is This is the first Warbler scene, right? Because I've done so many Warbler scenes now out of order. I that, think it is. It's the first scene where we really actually get Warbler dialogue other than... Uh, Wes and, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. David? David in... Neverwind Kiss. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> like, I could see it in my head, but words yeah. are just not happening. So, um, yeah, I think it is. And it's also, I think, maybe... I don't know how many of them actually speak in this scene. Yeah, I know Wes has that big monologue about, um... Well, we'll get to it in a second, but telling Kurt that about the council and oh, and then so. they give him the can- and they give him the canary, they give him Pavarotti. Hello, Pavarotti. Hello, Pavarotti. Pavarotti. <sighs> ah, I love that stupid bird. Um, and he makes oh, and Kurt makes that canary in a coal mine joke, which I think is funny. I laughed. I laughed. Nobody else got it, but I laughed, you know. (laughs) It was funny. It was funny. He's going to take it with him. He works weekends at a cat rescue. 
Well, I like his little like I don't work at a I don't work at a. And like his laughter, nobody's laughing. He's like, I don't really work at a gas. <laughs> oh man, but and you know what? Um, then he goes into his I have ideas for the the set list for for sectionals, which is bold, Kurt. Of, of coming, I mean, I love You've it. Been in the room like, for five minutes, dude. But um, I, I like one of the things the camera does when it says um, no denying that the Warblers' vocals are dreamy, and it pans over to Blaine. <laughs> of course it, of course it does, because he's That's dreamy. What you're really talking about? Yes, yes. Um, and um, Blaine is so mentory here. Uh, I think this is the you know other than never been kissed in this episode in general, he seems much older and much more mentor-y than he does pretty much anywhere else in the series. And honestly, I think part of that is because this may or may not have supposed to have been the last time that we saw him. Oh, that's true. Because when he, when Darren and, and, and therefore Blaine first came on the show... It was, like, a limited thing. Like, I don't think he had a specific number of episodes. Like, you know, like, like sometimes they'll say, like, they're going to do, like, a six-episode run. See, and I always heard it was three, that he was originally supposed to do three episodes, and then... That was he... it. Well, and that does make sense, because he would have done Never Been Kissed, he would have done The Substitute, and then he would have done Special Education, and then he would have been gone, because I think the original intent may have been Kurt's gone for, like, an episode, and then he's back at McKinley, because Dalton is not the be-all, end-all that he thought it was going to be, and he wanted to right. go back to McKinley. And I'm wondering if that's originally what they intended. I wonder if that's why they had Dalton... Because um, it's really weird, and we can talk about it a little more when we get there, but it's really weird that they tie at, in, in sectionals, like, no other place. Oh, yeah. Which is impossible. Yeah. They don't, <laughs> no. No, that would okay. never happen. I mean, we just went with it, so it's fine. <laughs> so, but, yeah, we'll get to more into that when we get to the end of and endish of it. Um, uh, let's also talk about Kurt. Um, what's, uh, like... He wants to do Rio. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about this. Yes, please share them. <laughs> I feel like him and Blaine, because I feel like Rio by Duran Duran is such an out-of-the-box thing for Kurt that I really feel like he was trying to impress Blaine here. I feel like well, they've I'm had wondering. before where Blaine has been like, oh, yeah, me and my brother used to sing yeah, Duran Duran around the I was going to say, like, that's <laughs> such a thing, like, after we saw Big Brother, and then you go back and he's talking about how, you know, let's do Rio. It's like, well, and he and Blaine had all these marathon phone, you know, phone calls, coffee dates, quote, unquote, whatever, and now he wants to do Rio. It's like, well, duh, that's because Blaine told him that him and Cooper used to rock out to some Rio when they were little. Exactly. That's my personal opinion. See, I totally agree with that. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. I just don't see Kurt picking that one. No, it is a little odd for him. But definitely up Blaine's alley, so. (laughs) We didn't know at the time, but now it makes sense. (laughs) See, I like it. And I know this isn't a thing that Glee did intentionally, but I like that when it does do things like this, because then 
I don't know. It just becomes really cool. Because if you like, even the look on Blaine's face when he says Rio by Duran Duran, like Blaine gets this look on his face, and you're like, first of all, boy, you're already in love with him. You just don't know. <laughs> and second of all, you're kind of giggling in your head about Duran Duran. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, just a little bit. Yep. Just a little bit. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention about with um, Pavarotti, well, two things, actually. The first being, um, this is an unbroken line since, ni- sorry, since 1891 of, of Warblers. Where are all the rest of these birds? Like, does <laughs> each Warbler get one and then they mate them off? Or what? how does this work? I want to know. I have no <laughs> idea, but then Kurt killed, well... He didn't kill it, but Pavarotti dies in his care, and uh, while everyone is very sad, you would think as, as, I'm trying to think of the word I want to use here. I mean, given the speech that Wes gives when, when Blaine says he wants to perform in public, that's not a competition, you would think that Kurt would get lectured for letting the bird die. <laughs> Well, no, Blaine's in charge-ish still, though. I'm sure he won't let any of them yell at, at Kurt. Or but um find a bird and be like, oh, this is Pavarotti, obviously. <laughs> oh, and you know what, though? Isn't owning that specific kind of canary illegal? I want to um, say that somebody that. wanted a canary that was like Pavarotti, and they couldn't get it because you can't have them as pets or something. I'm going to have to look that up. But I thought that was really funny that that was the bird they went for, if that's the case. Well, and in this um, in this episode, the the bird is a metaphor for Kurt. That bird um, is always a metaphor for Kurt. Yeah, that's, well, that's what I was going to say. It like because it, it connects all the way to original song. When when the bird dies, he's finally free, and that's you know Kurt is free to go back to McKinley, even if that comes in in born this way instead of original song. But it is an interesting little thing that is. I don't even know how many times we see the bird, really, but... Um, uh, we see him here, and we see him in original song. Oh. Well, come on, Glee. Why why couldn't we just keep this bird thing going? I mean, granted, they do in other respects. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the bird motif is strong with Clayne. Oh, it is. I don't even know why, but it is. It, I, it all started as a Pavarotti moment. It no, it started before that because really? there are Kurt talks about feathers all the time, and in like in um in Never Been Kissed, he was talking about feathers. And, oh, and even in season one, there was something about um when the boys and the girls were doing something uh, or doing the mashups, and Kurt is mad at the boys for not letting him use exotic bird feathers in his designs or something like that. So it's been a weird thing with the both of them since season one. So because he mentions the doves at yeah, at wedding. That's yeah. why we feed them glitter. <laughs> so anyway, anyway. <laughs> so okay, so now Kurt has a bird he didn't want, but obviously falls in love with. Yes. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, he gets, um, his, his Rio idea gets shot down, though. That would have been hilarious to see the Warblers do Rio. Um, <laughs> I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> um, 
And uh, Wes's line about, oh, you know, you someday, you know, you'll get to sit behind this thing. And I always think, you know, no, he won't. Speech <laughs> <laughs> about him being like some, you know, grand warbler someday. And I'm like, Kurt never really, really fits in, but. He doesn't necessarily want to be in charge. He just wants to be heard. Right. Right. And that is the that is the fundamental difference between Kurt and Rachel. Mm-hmm. Kurt is okay as long as someone is hearing him, taking him seriously, respecting him and his ideas. Rachel wants to run everything. Mm-hmm. And 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 be the greatest thing in the room. Yes. She wants that power because she feels like that power will make everyone like her. Mm-hmm. Validate her somehow. Yes, that's right. it. Well, and and there, there is actually a, a validation scene for her in original song. There is? Yeah, at the Can end, she's it? the MVP. Oh, don't, okay. Well, I'm not going to start off my rant about that. Yeah, that's another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Four people listening to original song. We're gonna forget about the claim test. I'm gonna talk about that for an hour. Um, <sighs> okay. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, the other last thing I wanted to mention about this scene was um, <laughs> like how Wes is like, "All right, we're not doing Rio, but let's talk about eight part harmony again." You know, <laughs> like as if that's something not and normal what they usually do, right? <laughs> well, and uh, can I just say that I just love. Wes and I feel like they did really good casting, not only for him but for the rest of the Warblers as well, because they got a really diverse, interesting group of boys, and but they're also very interesting characters. Mm-hmm. For a small part as they play, yes, and they're so interesting that. I mean, they became this huge thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they got their own CD. They got invited along on the tour. And for as little as we, you know, I mean, Curtin uh, Blaine aside, I mean, everybody's got a favorite warbler and all this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, it became a huge thing for them. Do you, you guys have a favorite warbler? Other than Curtin <sighs> Blaine? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nick. <laughs> Nick? Yeah. Mine's Trent. I love Trent. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. was going to say that I sort of bounce back and forth between Nick or Trent. Although, I, and I don't always like him, but I do find Sebastian fascinating. Remember, well, I say, this is funny, because uh, I, I was talking on one of the other podcasts about how um, sometimes I don't always like a character, but because they're, you know, terrible characters or they're not nice people or whatever, but I will find them endlessly fascinating. And he is someone I find fascinating, whether or not I actually like his character. I still think he, as a character, is fascinating, and I just, I want to know how he works. (laughs) No, that makes sense. I just think Trent is cute. Like, this adorable little person that I want to... I love Kurt Mega. I mean, that's pretty much what I've oh. for for me. He's he's pretty good too. He is. I I like Kurt Mega. Like I'm I'm not. I'm, I guess I'm a little like indifferent about Nick, but Kurt Mega is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. he always Snapchats his cat. 
and I'm a oh, cat oh, shit. Oh. And so I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I'm in love with you. <laughs> Can we talk about something really silly that I think that's has been pointed out in fandom before, but... Sure. Um, the actor who plays Trent, whose name is escaping me right now, he actually Stop was it. an extra in several McKinley scenes. Oh, he was. And there was this was whole hard. elaborate, like, look, Trent transferred to Dalton and then Kurtway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it might have been another one, but I know him for sure. Dominic yeah. Barnes, that's his name. Dominic Barnes, yeah. So I just thought that was so funny that, that they ended up you know, they used him as an extra. Nobody ever paid any attention to him. And then he gets cast as Trent, gets like three lines, and then somebody finds him in all this crowd footage. <laughs> <laughs> of course they do. Because, you know, what is it, Tumblr CSI? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, Tumblr CSI was... Oh. They're pretty amazing. They were really good. I, re- I, I remember some some debates about that. So. Um, um, Andrew, you were going to say something a little while ago. I didn't mean to step on you. Um, did, did you still have a thought? Or? Um, I don't remember. Okay. No, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> that was three <laughs> topics ago. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I did, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> um. Okay, so going on, so after that is um, it, Blaine is like, well, we like people with a good attitude, and I'm looking at this still with Kurt, and he has an American flag in the background, and he looks so patriotic. Oh, is this the scene in the hallway? Yeah, this is the, this is the, the first scene in the hallway. Ah, yes, this is the scene I was talking about where he really comes off as just it, it's a, you know, it's really mentory and not not at all like. Ah! Friendly, which is interesting coming from the substitute because he's not in uh-uh. So we got the substitute, which is kind of a more friendly thing. But I guess if you just keep the context that he was supposed to be a mentor, you, it does kind of fit because he's not like as best buddy as Kurt kind of is. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Well, that also led to a lot of discussion of Blaine having one way like when he's at school this is how he is but when he's at home he's he's a little more a little looser a little less mm-hmm. you know a little mm-hmm. less put together well and i can even think that like when we get into maybe just because i did these podcasts backwards um into uh the christmas one and sue sylvester and then really into into silly love songs he he kind of develops more into the plane that we all know and love and i think um, some of that might be because you know once they realized they were going to keep him they wanted to take some of that you know that mentorship stuff down a notch right and i think that that kind of plays into that mhm because, um, you know, nobody knew that Teenage Dream was going to blow up and go insane the way it did. And once that happened, there was no way that Ryan Murphy and uh, Fox were going to let Darren go anytime soon. Mm-mm. One of the best decisions they ever did, yes. in my opinion. And so... Um, when I wanted to mention that with the scene, um, like, do you think Blaine had... You know, um, shoot, how am I trying to say this? Do you think that it was Blaine's idea to let them let Kurt do a solo? 
and he's kind of placating Kurt a little bit? Or I don't know if he's necessarily placating him, but I do think that he understood where Kurt was coming from in, mm-hmm. in an effort to sort of... I don't know, I do think that he's the one that pushed the council to give Kurt an audition. Mm-hmm. I think he's the one that suggested it. Mm-hmm. I don't think the council would have put up much of a fight, though. I don't right. either. I don't know that it would have necessarily been like, you know, uh, Wes or, or, or David's or um, Thad's idea necessarily. But I don't think they would have been like, no. They would have been like, understood, let's take a vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, and and the eyes had it, whoever voted for what. And so they're all like, well, okay, we'll give him an audition. It's interesting. Would have it, would have it, which, oh, would have it been <laughs> um, just the council then, though? Because, I mean, why would they have warbler meetings with only some of the members there, not everything, everybody? Like, why would they be voting on something if Kurt was not there, even that's there, true. Maybe it was just a council. He went and said, maybe after the meeting or something, or on the way out the door, since it seems like Kurt is waiting for him, mm-hmm. that maybe after the meeting was over, he said he went up to West and, and them and said, "Hey, you know, and you know, he's trying really hard. He's new here, and mm-hmm. you know, it'd be really great if maybe you know, why don't we give him an audition, and then mm-hmm. see." You know, and then that way he'll feel more of a part of the group, even if he doesn't get it, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, so then, um, now, he goes to Rachel, <laughs> and I have, I have a lot of thoughts about this scene. Uh, my first is, you know, I understand that they needed to tie the plots together. They needed to get uh, Kurt over to McKinley for a reason and and so to ask Rachel and she's you know particularly pouty right now because um she's not singing in sectionals right but it's interesting that he didn't go to Blaine I think in and just thinking of in a story level um you know and and do you guys have any ideas as to why he wouldn't have I'm just wondering if maybe he wanted to impress Blaine because I think at this point he's still, I mean, it goes back to like what we were talking about at the beginning where he dropped that whole thing about singing Rio. I mean, if you think that was to impress Blaine or to get Blaine's attention, then maybe he doesn't want to go to Blaine for song suggestions because he wants to show Blaine that he can do it himself, that he's got the talent and he can pick the right, you know, pick a good song and knock all their socks off and really show Blaine that he deserved that audition. Mm-hmm. I think too. I don't. I think he maybe didn't want to put Blaine in like a weird position because even though Blaine is not on the council, it's very obvious that the council still looks to Blaine for mm-hmm. advice for whatever reason. Um, so I think, I think Kurt would have almost felt like Blaine was almost too close for him to be able to get like a non-biased opinion. opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that might be true, too. Yep, I think so, too. Um, I want to talk about My Heart Will Go On. 
because um, I was 14 when Titanic came out, so I know all the lyrics to this song. And um, I think it is a, such a fascinating choice for Kurt to pick because I think it fits his storyline um, much better than uh, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina at this moment. <laughs> because, okay, these are the opening lyrics to, to My Heart Will Go On. It's every night I see you, I feel you. So, okay, I've forgotten half of them. Um, that is how I know I go on, like near, far, wherever you are. You know, my heart will go on and on and on, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's interesting. I mean, because Kurt usually picks songs that are important to him. And to have the song about, you know, this person isn't with me right here, but they help me move forward in my life is such a, you know, Kurt thing to do with, uh, you know, with his new relationship with Blaine and everything like that. So I think it fits really, really well. I am a little sad that they didn't have Kurt sing it because I kind of like that better than Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. I'm sorry. Please don't kill me. Oh, I agree um, with you. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I don't think Don't Cry For Me, Argentina was a good choice. I I like the song. I like Kurt singing it. Kurt sounds amazing. But it just, it didn't fit him and where he no. is at currently in this life. No, it, it felt really felt racist. Well, it's and, very and, much... and that's not that's not uh, a like a criticism about Chris. No, the actual like like I don't know how to make I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. Well, it's a, the song is for Rachel. It's for her wishing that, you know, she... Oh, that reminds me of... And please don't let me forget to talk about um, about witnessing your own funeral. Um, <laughs> anyway, we will put a pin in that. I will come back to that. Um, it's about Rachel and how she wants everyone to adore her and, you know, like, don't cry for me. Even You know, I'm still here. You know, someday you will... And it's so about her. Um, that it doesn't even consider Kurt. And it's unlike their previous duet thing, like, you know, that was Defying Gravity, which was very much both of them. But this one doesn't work for me in the same way. I did, I think there's somewhere in my notes, there is um, some, there are a couple of lyrics that work, and I'll get to those in a minute. But for the most part, this is Rachel and her life, and, and Kurt is just kind of along for the ride on this, which is, kind of unfortunate that they didn't pick a song that kind of fit both of them but well I don't know part of me wonders if maybe they were trying to make that song sort of about him singing about maybe like McKinley or the New Directions or something like you know because he's not there anymore yeah Yeah. I'll say that Mm -hmm. possibly I mean there's well, I mean, it's it is very greatly, um, very much about Rachel. Otherwise, she wouldn't be in the song, right? Well, and then the lyrics that I picked out for Kurt that that do this is when he's entering and he's staring out the window, which is nice blocking choice, Kurt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so pensive. <laughs> Couldn't stay all my life down at heel, looking out the window, staring out at the sun. I chose freedom, running around, trying everything new, but nothing impressed me at all. I never expected it to. So that speaks a little to his situation about, you know, he's in this new situation thinking that it was going to be great, but... Maybe it, it's and, not as great as he thought it was going to be. 
as he slowly learns over the course of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, yeah. since, and and we can come back to the funeral thing in a second, but since we're talking about this scene and the blocking, oh, yeah. can we talk about yeah, the arms that. thing? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I never. Okay, here's my thing. Before you go into it, because I know you probably have a lot to say. Um, I don't even get what people are so pissy about in this. Uh, you know, I'm like, whatever. He's a, at, at this point, he's considered like a mentor to Kurt, and Kurt's being a little over dramatic and some. You know, really, I, I don't get it. Please explain it to me. Go ahead. <laughs> I honestly came down on the side that it really wasn't that big of a deal, but it blew up. <laughs> <laughs> so many people, uh, and as this was when Blaine was just coming on, there, the, we weren't necessarily cleaners at that point. You had mm-hmm. Kurt stands, or, you know, people who love or curtsies or whatever they want to call, you know, and they felt that, and, you know, if you feel that way, what, you know, whatever, you know, you're entitled to your own feelings, that him mimicking to put for Kurt to put his hand down was like a huge insult to Kurt and who he is. Oh my god. And I don't know that I necessarily, you know, I don't really agree with that per se. I don't agree with it at all, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't I mean, I guess I, I mean, mean five, you know, five, six years later from from now, when I watch that scene, it just makes me laugh. But at the time, it was a really big deal, and I and I don't know if that's necessarily because we had just gotten all this stuff about Kurt being bullied and people not understanding Kurt and who he was and 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 all this stuff, and so people were just. I don't know. Anything was a perceived insult, maybe. I'm not sure. But it was a big fandom discussion, and everybody had an opinion, and yeah. See, I always saw it more of the whole fitting in aspect. You know, he you know, he says that at one point. You know, we talked briefly about it. He's like, everybody here wears uniforms because we fit in. And mm-hmm. the raising of the hands... It's such a non-warbler thing to do. So I mm. think Blaine must be like, you know, take it down a notch. That's not mm. really what they're looking for. Like, I don't think he was being mean or mean. malicious mm-hmm. at all. I That's think he was more of a bring it down a notch, bring it back into warbler territory. Because when you're when you're auditioning for anything, you are trying to fit into their box. You're trying to put yourself in the whoever's perceived notion of what they're looking for. And, and this song... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was, just, I was going to say, yeah. Like, he's... I, to me, I think he's trying to help Kurt. Right. Or at least, oh, I think that's yeah. absolutely what it is. Because mm-hmm. this song is so... I mean, when you take it in the context of Rachel, it's kind of obnoxious. Like, oh, don't cry for me, Argentina. I'm still here for you. And you're just like, oh, God. And and it could come off that way. So I can see Blaine being like, okay, sweetie, you need to dial it back a little bit. You know, you're not, you, you can't come in here and just, you know, whatever. You have to assimilate a little bit into what we've got here. I mean, because Wal- Walton, jeez, Dalton has um, all of these <laughs> Sorry. I just I just had a uh, like a 
Walton's like, good night, Ma. Good night, Pa. <laughs> when you said that, but with the warblers. I think that's what happened when I combined uh, um, Warbler and Dalton. Uh, <laughs> at the wall. And, uh, oh. all these traditions and all of these, you know, I mean, look at how they reacted when a girl tried to join. I mean, it's, you know, they're not, they're really going to embrace change really easily. And I think no. Blaine is aware of that. So I, I think also, and you can totally correct me if I'm wrong, I'm wondering that at the time, there were all of these courtships out there, and they were all just, I don't know, like, so I feel like Blaine uh, kind of got a lot of, you know, anytime, you know, there's some kind of, that anything that Blaine could be possibly criticized for, these other ships, like the Sam courtship and the Karofsky courtship or whatever, they, I, I do know a lot of people would throw anim- animosity towards Blaine's way whenever they could. Um, or just the people that didn't like Blaine in general. Yeah, this oh. is a scene that was often used to criticize Blaine and, and indicate that he was not good for Kurt because he told him to put his arms down during his audition. Yeah, which is ridiculous. I'm glad <laughs> almost that I was not in fandom at that, at that It point. was wild times, man. <laughs> you had to be there. Or just enjoy being after and not having to deal with any of that. But there, there are some fandom posts that you should read. <laughs> I'm almost scared. I did scared, like, because I looked at this all retrospect because I came in um, fandom during season three, even though I've been watching, and I went back and I wa- I read, I went to Glee Forum and read all of these old like threads. I've never even just... been to Glee Forum. I'm just basing my experience off of. Live journal discussions during the episodes and Tumblr posts. Crazy. Well, because back when the show was airing during um, season two, um, the I want to say it's the Kurt Blaine Live Journal was the place to be, and Mm. they had live discussions every Tuesday while the episode was on. And that was some stuff, man. <laughs> and um, so, you know, that craziness led to a lot of discussion about that scene. So, Which seems such a, like a, I mean, out of all the things that happened later on, it seems like such a minor thing <laughs> now, you know? now. But, I mean, if you look at it in the scope of a fandom that had nothing. Well, and look at how perfect Blaine was when he entered i mean they were i think they were looking for anything to take him down a peg or two yeah yeah um rounding out the don't cry for me part i'm still getting back to that funeral thing um <laughs> uh the i i do think it, it it's a good kurt sounds good on it vocally chris sounds good on it vocally um it is one of my least favorites though and and just because usually his solos and his songs in general have a lot of emotion in them in in context and well, this one is one of the few that really I don't It's interesting that this is a song that was done the song that he was put on and I'll tell you the reason why or or one of the reasons not the main reason but one of the reasons why Kurt necessarily and therefore Chris did not sing as much as some of the other characters is because that Chris was always adamant about his songs having an emotional impact or 
directly being correlated to his plots. So when he talked to Ryan about this, so if you look at all of his solos and his moments, they're all tied in directly. They're usually in episodes that center on him or at least partially on him. And they always drive his storylines. Uh, most of his duets and his and his uh, main group numbers do too. Yeah. I, I think that's and it makes Kurt singing very special. I, I in in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. um, not to like discount like I, I know people talk about jukebox lane and I will take all the plane solos, give them to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but gimme gimme, uh, a little bit different and and yeah. So uh, okay, so going back to the Rachel thing, here's my thing. This is why it cracks me up every time I hear this. Okay, because Rachel talks about, you know, don't you ever fantasize about your own funeral? And Kurt's like, no. And do you know what Chris Colfer was doing at the time, around this time? Writing Struck by Lightning. And um, he based it off of thinking about his own funeral. So, And the entire book is, you know, a dead person narrating the story leading up to where he talks about his own funeral. So it just cracks me up. It just, I don't know. Maybe so it does to anybody else, but to me, I think it's hilarious. Oh, well, just that entire scene is so perfectly Rachel. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, literally perfectly Rachel. And, well, and if you think about it, aside from the moment in duets where at the end Rachel does come to him and says, hey, you know, we do value you, and if you would like, you know, let's do a duet, and then they sing... Um, Oh my gosh, I just words are not my thing tonight. Uh, you see, you and me both, dude. Oh, what is the name of the duet? What is that? Oh, the 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 mashup at the end of duets. I can't think. Happy days. That's it. Happy days. Yes, that one. So they sing together. That and and that is, I guess, sort of the start of the Rachel Kurt friendship. But this episode is actually the episode That's- that really actually makes them start being friends. The, and goes that, to her for her advice, and then later on in the episode, she actually starts talking to him and sort of gets mm-hmm. some advice, and and this is sort of where that friendship really begins. Well, and yeah, and you can see, like, because the Kurt Sadie's friendship is cooled through, you know, Girl Jesus and the Substitute. And, and now that Blaine has shown up, it's just mm-hmm. like... Eh. Very in the background. Well, or... and I feel like if some of it is that she's kind of jealous that Kurt has is going to Blaine now with all of his problems. Maybe a, a little, little bit. bit. I mean, we did talk about I a lot of like that. It, we sort of get that vibe a little bit in the substitute. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, like because we talked about it a lot in the substitute, it is Kurt is kind of blowing her off as well. So Yeah, he's not completely it, 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 innocent in that. No. Yeah. But um, it is but, such a teenager thing to do with a friendship that you feel like maybe like you were, you know, diehard besties, but maybe you know, you were really only besties because you didn't have any other friends. Well, and I also want to make a point not to discount Crusades because I do think their friendship does continue and is very meaningful for, throughout the rest of the series. It's not that they don't, you know, love each other, want to be, you know, really super good friends. I'm just wondering if maybe, you know, 
they don't understand each other as much as as they thought they did. Mm-hmm. And I think Mercedes at this point in the episode, because I always wondered why she, why Kurt went to Rachel and not Mercedes. That's a good and question. I think, That's another good question. I think Mercedes is hurt. Because you see her at the end of Shirt. That's true. She looks absolutely betrayed when Kurt says he's leaving. Yeah, and so I think she's still kind of hurt. And I don't, I mean, we don't get a whole lot of their interaction, obviously, in the next Mm -hmm. few episodes. But I just always kind of pictured her her almost giving him the cold shoulder right now. Because she is hurt. And that is a very teenage thing to do. You hurt my feelings. I'm going to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean... You know, Finn was like, well, how about you talk to me about it? And, and you know, and then Mercedes is like, Kurt? Like, what the hell? And yeah. he's like, I'm sorry, I gotta go. And so he literally, you know, left her for blame. So, you know, that, yeah. I, and, and Mercedes probably does feel betrayed in that sense, too. That, like, you didn't come to me to any of this. You're leaving me without telling me any of this. And, and so, so I'm just wondering if he feels like maybe he would have, except for he doesn't feel like she wants to see him right now or something. Yeah. Or maybe he feels guilty. I don't know. Or maybe Rachel is the only one in the auditorium. So no, um, <laughs> <laughs> my other thing, though, was um, you can tell just uh, getting out of the inside of the story, writing-wise, what they were doing. I mean, they are setting up... Kurt is becoming a more prominent character in the show, and they are raising his level, his status to main character, and so then they are starting to pair off the Ra- Rachel and Kurt together. This yes. is this definitely is the beginning. A, definitely, they're really like the, it felt like they were sort of not quite going there with duets, but this episode is the, that is very clearly uh, where they're going. This is the start of them being really good friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take it or all leave right. that as you will. <laughs> so, okay. Um, all right. Kind of going on from here. Um, we have, so then we have the uh, Kurt's waiting outside. Um, and um, Nick and Jeff are sitting there because they oh, are. The infamous 3 6 line. Yep. 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 And, um, man, and they, they literally said three, six, and hugged each other, and a ship was born. Yep. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, my God. Because I just don't know enough about the Warbler fandom, but I didn't. You know, yes. Okay. The, this scene <laughs> literally launched the, the <laughs> Nith ship, and um, and I actually do ship that just a little bit. And, oh, I totally and, do. And you, you can see that in, in, in a lot of my fics, especially the chance fics, but uh, yeah, this this is the scene that started that, and, and, and the best part about that, I think, is that the actors really embraced that, because... Oh, they had all this stuff, and, you know, they would post about that scene, and I think they referred to, the, oh, they had some sort of, like, title, uh, like, like with the 3-6 in it. I can't remember what it was. Well, they, wear, they posted a picture of them wearing jerseys with the numbers 3 and 6 on them. 
Oh, did they really? Oh, yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, they played this thing up for years, okay. and and yeah. about how they became, you know, of course, and and because the warblers uh, and and therefore the actors were at a different location when they were filming, they were so isolated from the rest of the cast that they all became really good friends because they literally only had each other to interact with. Right. So, um, yeah, they were uh, uh, Kurt and Riker. I think are still really close. Oh, and, cool. and are like, I know a lot of them are. Do what? Oh, I just, a lot of them are. I know, yes. um, Kurt Mega and Dominic Barnes they, always yes. like tweet each other. And, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So it was like the, and this scene. So, you know, Kurt's like, well, how many times have you guys auditioned? And, and it's like three, six. And then Wes comes out and tells them that they've moved on to the next round and they hug each no, other. That. Who does that Blaine? does that yeah oh i can remember somebody came out and said they moved on so they hug each other and then like everybody went they're so cute and and so then they started shipping them i'm pretty sure that was my exact reaction actually awesome um no i'm so distracted this this scene um is one of the most gorgeous warbler scenes uh, uh, more Dalton scenes between Kurt and Blaine. I just, every time I, I'm like, this is so brightly lit and they're so adorable in their blazers and it just, it's so pretty. Like, aesthetically pleasing pretty. <laughs> I, you know, it just, yeah. Well, and I want to say there was a lot of, I can't remember if it's in season two or in season three. It might be more in season three. There's a lot of talk about the lighting in the in the episodes and as the lighting is progressively darker. But I, mm-hmm. when they're at Dalton, they do not have that problem. The the scenes at Dalton no. are so well lit. Yeah, I think um, when they got into, well, season six is a little bit dark, but seasons four and five got really bright. Yes. They started doing it differently, so... Yeah, they did. McKinley was always kind of drabbed out, and under—I mean, I can understand why though. If you're trying to portray a this as a rundown public school in Lima, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would be. But Dalton is—all the scenes in Dalton are so gorgeous. But the way they're lit with that window behind them, this bright white light, and they both look so good in their uniforms that I'm Ugh. just like—I I just paused. It's like you were talking. Yeah, I would just stare at you for like the next twenty minutes of my life. No, this is also the. Oh, there is this. Um, for the life of me, I don't know names or, and I, I feel bad that I can't credit the person that made this. But they, somebody that did, it was in seasons two or three, probably in three, that um, created this trailer for a claim movie, and uh, like this was the opening. And yeah, I don't know. Is that the one Kurt met Blaine trailer? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I'm gonna have to look that up on YouTube later. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one's really good. good. Oh, and the um and and well, oh, God, what's the other one that everybody loves? It's the one to the Maroon Five song. Yes. Oh, that's my one favorite. More night. That's it. And one more night. Those were great trailers. I watch that at least once a week. Yeah. <laughs> but there are a lot of really good ones out there that I've seen. So. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the, there's actually dialogue in this scene um, where oh really um, they speak <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know Blaine very much in his mentory state of you know they're you know Kurt talking about wanting to be heard and Blaine's like you know what this is you know you have to you know be a part of the team here and I don't know just 
and it, and I think that, that Kurt sort of has a point is, is that yet when he was at McKinley, he had to scream to be heard. Mm-hmm. Because if he didn't, no one ever paid any attention to him. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to take him a little bit to get used to the idea that maybe he doesn't have to shout every time he wants to say something, you know, and, and, and you know, use that metaphor however you want, you know, with the whole dramatic performances. He, he, you know, he doesn't understand that he doesn't necessarily have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this seems pretty straightforward. I mean, there's sometimes glee, you know, you can dig in and really come up with other meanings. And other times I'm like, yep, yeah, that's, Pretty much that. Yeah, they said it. You know, there's that. yeah. There's not a really a lot of an alternative meaning for this scene. It's it's just saying you know. Well, and it's one of the. I don't it's not that you weren't good. It's just that we didn't think you were necessarily the right fit for this solo. Oh right, no. It, but I was gonna say it's one of the scenes where there's not any. There's like no romantic tension in this scene. There's no. no it's yeah. very much a mentor, mentee, that, I don't know, uh, scene. Yeah, Whereas I agree. In early season two, up to... Um, sort there, of has that underlying UST going on. Right. And or even, I mean, just thinking of, of um, future into the Sue Sylvester shuffle or whatever, when they're just sitting there, you, there's that best friend vibe, and I don't get the best friend vibe uh-huh. here. Because I, I, I think... Blaine knows that's what Kurt needs. Kurt doesn't need necessarily a friend in this scene. He does need someone to give him direction and advice. Mm. And I think I think this episode did a really good job of balancing the Blaine mentor and the Rachel friend relationships. Um, though, now that I think of it, does Blaine really do any kind of mentoring after this? No. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's, well, that's, oh, that's really more of, I think, a issue with the writers and the fact that they weren't originally going to keep Blaine and then decided that they had to keep Blaine because, you know, with the Who whole... Love Blaine? Come on. I know there are people that don't like Blaine. I don't know how you can. <laughs> well, I, you know, with so with them, you know, deciding that they have to keep him now because he's become so wildly popular, pop, popular, popular, and he became a that little warbler Kurt can sit on. I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. What did you say? <laughs> I said you said popular, and I said like a tree. Oh and my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. And then they, all of these wood jokes came into my head, and I'm like, I should probably stop. Wow. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. It's good. Anyway. Um, and uh, so I, I think, you know, so aside from a couple of other characters... Blaine is the one I think that goes through the most core character changes. At the same time, I've seen um, uh, people put a through line through his character, and it's very fascinating. It um, is because I've seen some of that same, the same meta, and mm-hmm. and I think that. 
there is the ability to do that, but coming from an outside perspective and knowing that was not necessarily the writer's intent because of the way things were going behind the scenes, mm-hmm. they I think they did the best with what they had and tried to make it fit as much as they could. Mm-hmm. You know? So it does fit if you connect the pieces in a very, in a certain way, which you can do, but I don't know that that intent was necessarily there from the moment Blaine stepped on the canvas because when he first, you know, showed up, he was only going to be there for a few episodes and then gone. Yeah. So. Um, I do think it's an interesting point also that we point out Kurt trying to impress Blaine when pretty much right, I mean, original song is pretty much when he puts a stop to that, but the most of the rest of the series is Blaine kind of trying to impress Kurt. And that's um, so, so funny. Yeah. Because it's like once Kurt has Blaine's, you know, knows that he has Blaine's love and affection, whatever, he stops trying to impress him. And once Blaine realizes that if he doesn't work to keep Blaine's attention or something like, it's really weird how that switches for them. Yeah. I'm not saying that either one of them is correct, because I think that's actually one of the inherent problems in their relationship. And when oh, they yeah. break up and get back together so many times, especially well, and, and towards season six. But I, I think it's really interesting that they reverse roles. Oh, yeah. Well, but I think by the time they get to back together in season six, they're on in, uh, on the same playing field again. For the first time since season two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's fast. It'll be a journey. We'll have fun getting there. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so then we're actually into the sectionals part of it. Um, and here's that other scene with, um, again, it's kind of um, uh, doing exposition between the two storylines. I love, can but, we just talk about how Kurt's like, you didn't know about that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rachel, uh, or Finn sleeping with Santana. Uh, and I was like, you didn't know about that? <laughs> like, this is news? <laughs> I love that. Um, that. That might actually be my favorite of all the things that they discuss in that moment. It's when he goes, you didn't know about that? No, my, there is one that tops that for me. It's the, in the Christmas thing. And Rachel is talking to Finn, and she's like, who told you? And she's like, Kurt. And he's like, no. And he's like, yes. <laughs> She's like, who told you? Was it Kurt? No. Yes. <laughs> I do love that moment. That is a good moment. So, but um, here, it, it's, uh, you know, uh, we, we were talking about the beginning of Pummelberry, and this is kind of the start of it, really, because uh, I don't remember which one of them says it. Uh, who, um, you know, why were we never this close when you were I at think one of, Yeah, uh, Kurt says that, the, and she goes, that's yeah. because you were competition. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Which I and think was letting her guard down. Yeah. Because she's not her competition anymore. So she no. can be a little more real with him and not have to have this, I'm the superstar all the time, mask on. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in that little moment right there where they're like kind of giggly about, you know, you were competition, but now we're kind of friends. That's a really cute moment for that. It is. It is a very sweet moment, and you can kind of, like, understand. 
because a lot of people talk about like hairography and and him dressing her up and all of these other things, but I do think there is an understanding between the two of them that is what grows this friendship. And then maybe this distance kind of helps it too. Like they're not each other's competition, so they can just you know really appreciate the similarities between each other. Mm-hmm. Type. So um. I like how. I like how Kurt assumed the raisinets were for Rachel. When she said, yeah. she oh, he goes car bloating? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, and it's the introduction of Lauren Zeitzies to the Glee Club. Oh, that's right. And and as an aside, her and Puck had seven minutes in a, in a janitor's closet? Janitor's closet, yeah. Where apparently she rocked his world. I love that Lauren Zeiss was like, eh, about Puck. Because there's always, you know, there's so much crud about, I mean, like, that, you know, those jock people, and they're going to put down, like, an obese woman, and here's this girl, like, they're like, no, not into this guy that I'm She literally makes him jump through about 6,000 hoops. And she enjoys every second of it. Uh-huh. What'd you say? And she enjoys every second? Yeah, she enjoys every second of it. And not in like a, oh, ha, 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 I'm making him jump through hoops. She literally could care less. Mm-hmm. But she's enjoying it at the same time. That she, right. That she has this sort of power over him. Mm-hmm. Because it's not very often that a person like her, I mean, sad to say, has that type of power. Right. But I, I do like, one of the things I like about Lauren is that she's really comfortable in her own skin. She's so unapologetic for who she is. Right. And she's confident. And to see an obese female character like that on television is just such a rare, you know, usually there's the fat girl who's, you know, eating ice cream and upset because her life sucks. And she's just the best friend to some skinny girl. And it's. You know, I'm I'm glad there are you know, and I so the same thing with having Amber Riley on the screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just so grateful that there are these women on screen who are a confident and are individual and are not about making a lot of fat jokes. That I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, because if you think back to like uh, the Madonna episode where she was like, "Well, I didn't want to put it on and cause a sex riot." Right. You know, yeah. and she's so confident about the way she looks. And you never, aside from the episode, you know, aside from in that episode where she does worry about losing weight, that's the one and only time they address that issue with her. And they mm-hmm. never talk about it again. And it is never brought up again as an issue for her that her weight is a problem. And also right. with Lauren, it's never brought up that her weight well, is any kind of an them- issue. I, they make them look so good, too, because usually they'll put the fat people in some ridiculous, like, costuming, and Mercedes looks gorgeous so much of the time. I, it just, you know, I, I, again, I'm really grateful well, for that. And, I, and, you know, and I love that they do, they still dress them as teenagers, even though they're plus size. Yeah. Because, yeah. and that's actually must have been really difficult for them, because as somebody who's always been more of a of a plus size person, even when I was a teenager, I would have been considered plus size. It's so hard to find clothes that don't look like your grandmother should be wearing them. Right. You know, exactly. or to find something that is made that, you know, 
made well and looks, you know, young and 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 fun. And as I'm sure, you know, definitely with Mercedes, she has a definite fun aspect to her, all of her outfits. Yep, she does. Yeah. What I like with Mercedes and Lauren is that Lauren makes her body work for her. She's on the wrestling team. She's badass. Mm-hmm. And then you have Mercedes, who is more feminine, and she dresses that way. And so it's not only did we get these characters, but we got them two very different characters. Right. They're not the same character. Yeah. It just wasn't, oh, we need to have someone plus size on our show. It was, we need to have interesting characters on our show, whether they're plus size or not. They just happen to be plus size characters. Right. Which is, like, and I'm really grateful for that. I don't understand later, for example, getting a dig in at um, Tina, like, that I I keep thinking of the end of season four when she's like, well, with my build, my babies are going to, like, keep, like, whatever she's talking about having babies and and her body is going to, like, I don't know. It it was very kind of offensive towards her. And I was like, what? You know, I don't know. Anyway. I have a lot of thoughts about Jenna and Tina and the writers. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, but let's anyway, just say it's... that someone once said you could always tell from the script who had pissed off the writers that week. Yep. Um, that's sad. Well, anyway, um, getting back into this one. Um, this is the, uh, again, uh, more with the Hummelberry stuff. He he says that the warblers make him question everything that he's ever thought about himself. Which that is such a like loaded statement. Because really, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, it, it literally participating in the warblers means that they are. He's questioning his entire existence because of participating in their glee club. And maybe that's why people do get so upset about, you know, Blaine's actions and things that are said in this episode, because it literally causes him to reevaluate himself. Okay, but what exactly is he reevaluating? I don't know. See, and that has always been my trip. I'm like, I understand, like... Him going from, okay, I've been needing to scream and shout and be individualistic and nobody pays attention to me. But now that, you know, I have people's attention, I have to be a part of it. You know, I I just, it's for whatever reason in my brain, it is hard to piece together the thought process. So that's why I'm like, yeah, if you guys have thoughts, feel free. I'm 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 not sure. It's such, see, part of me wonders if... This is just Kurt being a little dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> and But then, on the other hand, he's always so closed off about how he feels about things. For him to say something like that, and to Rachel of all people, mm-hmm. it's such a revealing statement about himself. But I think... And see, this is what I'm wondering... I think that this is, like, literally this script was written, and the only thing they did was change the ending in order, Mm -hmm. so they they made them tie, so they could, Uh, you know, keep playing, keep the warblers, all that stuff, and I feel like this conversation might have been a lead-in into Kurt possibly going back to McKinley. That very next episode. 
Uh-huh. Well, the episode after this one would have been the Christmas episode, so I don't know if Kurt was actually supposed I, to be in that episode, which we kind of talked about on, on the... We'll talk about it in the next week. Uh-huh. Because we t- I was on that podcast for that episode, but... um, Because... Well, the, yeah, he would not have been in the original Suits of Lester Shuffle one, too, and nope, you could just he wasn't. love songs. Yeah. So, yeah. originally, he wasn't either in either one of those scripts. He just wasn't going to be in those episodes, as far as I know. So, Mm -hmm. the next episode, which would have been 12, I don't think was originally Silly Love Songs. It would have been, it was, probably hadn't even been planned yet. Yeah. And so, I think that he, that that episode maybe originally might have been his return back to McKinley. I wonder if Comeback might have been the original. I wondered about that, too, because Comeback was titled that for a reason and we never really understand why what comeback comeback from what i mean and there's rachel wanting to have a comeback quote unquote and then sue's comeback quote unquote but that's really fascinating now that i think of it it could have been kurt's comeback too Mm-hmm. and because of the popularity of dalton and clane and everything that went along with it they ended up keeping kurt at dalton as long as they feasibly could which meant that he didn't come back until Born This Way. Fascinating. Which even makes more sense, though, with Born This Way, because you get the whole Dalton arc, and I think is a very it's a fantastic arc for Kurt, because he does learn a lot about himself, and, mm-hmm. and grows more confident, and um, it, it it's a fantastic piece of television to watch, at least for me. Mm-hmm. So, Born This Way is is such a fantastic way to bring him back. So I'm glad that they did not keep their original idea. Plus, you know, mm-hmm. if we only had three episodes of Darren Chris and I was never really to, you know, be able to fully fall I in love with I would have been it. so sad. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I would have felt about it from just the Karofsky aspect. Like, I feel like that would have been super quick for him to be like, oh, I'm leaving because I honestly feel like my life's in danger to, eh, I didn't really like Dalton, so I'm just going to come back. Right, exactly. And, and they do try and tie up some of the, the Krofsky stuff in the Sue Sylvester Shuffle, because he does have that, Finn has that line, like, let's go over to Dalton and apologize to Kurt, um, which they might have originally thought of doing. And see, actually. I'm wondering if, if some of that originally was going to happen, because they knew they were going to be the post-Super Bowl episode way in advance. So... I mean, as soon as they announced when the Super Bowl was going to be on, they literally, like, within a week or two, announced who was going to be the post-Super Bowl show. So they would have been working on this episode, this big episode for the show, this opportunity to draw in new viewers for a long time. So the fact that so much time is devoted to Karofsky in that episode really tells me that they may have originally intended to go that way oh, and yeah. then realize that, okay, yeah, we can still keep this plot because in the ultimate arc of the story, it still works. We're mm-hmm. just going to wait a little longer before Kirk comes back because we want to milk all the stuff that we can out of the Warblers, out of Blaine, out of the acapella music, which is selling like hotcakes because they literally went from, they're going to be in like two or three episodes to, we now have enough songs to release an album just for the Warblers. 
That is so fascinating. Um, to like, we've completely put together a what if scenario. If, and I wonder how much of, I would love to, you know, ask the writers sometimes what could have been or what were you originally planning. And that's pretty awesome, detective work, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens in hindsight because at the time, I remember a lot of backlash fandom-wise, and not necessarily undeserved in some ways, about the attention that Krofsky got in the in the Sue Sylvester shuffle, and then also um, that there wasn't enough Kurt or Blaine in those episodes. It's because they weren't originally in them, because Blaine shouldn't have been there. Or, you know, wasn't originally conceived to be yes. there. But. Because, and, well, and I'm thinking that maybe, you know, if the Warblers had lost then that would have been the last time we saw the Warblers. And think about how much the show would have been affected, not even just Clayne, but like, you know, not having Blaine in any of the rest of the seasons, and not having the Warblers come back, and not having, you know, all of this other stuff. And it just is a ripple effect. Like, you can't have the later half of the show without Blaine being there. It just kind of... It's a different show entirely. I mean, mm-hmm. it just so, yeah. It's I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Darren, Chris went out and, <laughs> and got it. And, and it's so amazing, and just I uh, yeah. cannot imagine the show without him. So. I can't either. Not not. I mean, not anymore. You know. No. Yeah. It definitely so. will not be the same. Mm. No. Oh, one thing that I will. Okay, I'm gonna put a disclaimer. If you guys don't want to hear anything about. Kurt and Krosky, please skip over the next five minutes. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued now. <laughs> I know. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> no, because I'm going to throw this really horrible idea out there. I also wonder if it was a possibility, not something that was sincerely on the table, but just as a possibility to actually hook up Kurt and Krosky. I won't say no. Yeah, I... Because it's Ryan Murphy. And it would not be of the jock closeted jock. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be the most messed up thing I've ever seen on one of his shows. That would tie in a little bit with with the huge redemption episode that Karofsky got. Yep. Yeah. Thank God for Derek Christ. (laughs) Well, and even then, I want to say that in the midst of all the season four chaos. Yeah. That one of the writers, uh, Ian maybe, yeah, Ian or Brad, not Ryan, um, said something along the lines that they had always felt like a Karofsky-Kurt relationship was fascinating or something, and people were worried that had... while they were broken up, suddenly they were going to try to bring Karofsky back on the show and get Kurt and Karofsky together. I thought it's Chris so funny that, that two episodes later, you know, two seasons later, and then here's Karofsky dating Blaine, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember it was, a, and I, this was. No, well, and here's the thing: Chris said something about and it. It might have been Chris who said that, but the thing is, is 
One of the things that one uh, another thing that Chris has said in an interview is that sometimes he has a hard time knowing what he's supposed to say in interviews when people ask him things because he's told to say one thing by the writers one day and then you know three days later they change their mind so now he's saying something else so sometimes well, he's not entirely sure exactly what it is that he's supposed to be saying when people ask him these questions. I not to and yeah I, I didn't want to say that to throw Chris under a bus but what I was trying to say was that that the, well first of all it was a written article and when you can't tell body language it's a big thing mm. but also it was just a throwaway like comment like oh that would be an interesting thing mm-hmm. not like you know I, I don't think that uh, um it, I don't think he was trying to actually give Kurtovsky a bone I don't think he was trying to disclaim I do think it was horribly blown out of proportion, but, um, and a bad timing. I think that happened actually after the first time or something. It was, so, or maybe it was the breakup, but it was it whatever. Was during it was the breakup when we were okay. already spir- a spiraling was, mess yeah. at that point. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I don't think, yeah. And I don't really think Chris was trying to be disrespectful at all or, and, and it wasn't a TV line thing and they were already Nekrovsky fans anyway. So I don't just, remember, honestly. I, I, I blacked out so much of mid-season four <laughs> that... I not that matters. I'm just, <laughs> sorry that we got in this big, giant discussion about, you know, in the behind-the-scenes stuff. I didn't mean to really drag it that far, but all I think, just looking at the this kind of groundwork for something that could have been something completely different, and it's and not I out of... I don't the, think that that thought is too far out of the realm of possibility. And I only say that's because I've watched multiple Ryan Murphy shows, and after a while, you sort of get to uh, know the way he thinks, as sporadic as he can be sometimes, that he does have a general style of the way things are written. It would not be out of the realm of possibility that the original plan was eventually to put Kurt with Karofsky as a couple, because that groundwork is there if you look at it as a in that way. And I, I think it's kind of fascinating. I, I don't think that Kurtovsky would have been interested at all. I would have hated it and I'd stop watching. But I think interesting looking back and trying to find that groundwork and being grateful that the show went in the direction that it actually went in instead of um, where it could have gone. Yeah. Well, I think it makes sense, too, because we know Kurt has a thing for docs. I mean, Finn and mm-hmm. Kurofsky were not that far from each other just kind of generalized-wise. Mm-hmm. No kind of the same body type. They, you know, both played football. They were both kind of jerks at first. I mean, I know Karofsky went way, way too far, but, I mean, I totally see why they were could go in that direction. You know, and this actually gives more... This makes... Blainovsky make a little more sense, to be honest with you. Um, as in, they kind of wanted to go back to a storyline they might have possibly gone, except for this time they're going to try Blaine instead of uh, Kurt. Well, um, I think that it also, um, some of it might be that Max and Darren are actually really good friends. And well, at that, that point, they were literally just... I mean, one of the reasons why we got Blam was because Cord and Darren are like the, you know, the bros of bros, bros, besties forever. Mm-hmm. And and so they literally saw that 
interactions off screen and we're like, no, we need to get this on screen because it's great. Yeah. yeah. And then tying this back around to this episode, kind of, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to turn away from Krosky a bit so people can, you know, start listening again. Um, I think it's interesting that we were talking about uh, Blaine in the mentor role, but also there being very little of that romantic tension in this episode between the two of them. Um, we do get it at the end, and we'll talk about that last scene in, in a minute. But well, I think there, there's, and, and this might have just been fandom reaching, but there is even a smidge of it, I think, during um, the song, too. Oh, Soul Sister? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Point out yes. the scene so that we skipped about- a kajillion times over. Hey, soul sister, because they're, I mean, Theron is so, you know, and he brings us to Blaine, and you could call it a Blaine trait, but I am going to pin it on Darren because he kind of brought a lot of himself into to Blaine at first. Yeah. It's such yeah. a flirty guy when he dances and mm-hmm. sings and whatnot, and and knowing that Blaine is going to latch on to Kurt, it doesn't surprise me, and, and I do appreciate that. I mean, like, I like the melding of it because it brings more weight to the claim story, mm-hmm. um, than there might have originally been in the script. And and it's not like overt flirting, you know. Well, he does say, you know, the, it isn't this, it's, the Holy Soul Sister has the, you blow my mind. It is, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to blow your mind or something like that. And when he does that, he's looking right at Kurt and he does this, like, fake miming, like a blowing just or, or something. Or, like, I don't remember exactly what he does, but it's it's definitely at Kurt. And Kurt actually blushes in response. Right, exactly. And and then can we also talk about the uh shot to Rachel in the audience where Kurt looks oh, terrified yeah. and Rachel tells him to smile. As, as cute as that is, as as adorable as is as somebody who has been on stage multiple times, you can't see past the first row, so that drives me nuts when they do that. <laughs> but I mean, like, there's no way he would have seen her do that at all. But, no, I, it is cute because you can tell, like, here, and, and, and I'm sure, I mean, you know, Chris can be a little bit of an awkward dancer, but um, here they're all kind of in sync, and Kurt is struggling to keep up a little bit. And um, it's very endearing, um, and it is really sweet that Rachel says smile and everything, and he tries to get into it a little bit more. So, And I thought it was very sweet that she, even though they're competing against each other, she's actually encouraging him and trying to help him out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I think yep. it goes back to, at some point earlier in the episode, they say something how like they're not even going to clap. If they don't win, they won't even clap for the winners or something. Right. And so I think it goes back to them or at least Rachel, realizing that, yes, this is, a, this is a competition, but that's still one of their own up there. Yep. Yep. Now, is it this scene where everybody looks really mad that Kurt's on stage with another group? Because I'm trying to remember, and I'm, I'm, I'm not wanting to confuse it with sectionals. This is sectionals. Or, I'm sorry, regionals. Jeez. Okay. Not when I'm confused with regionals, but is this the one where Puck and Mr. Shu and everybody are all like death to the warblers? Like, literally, if the power of their stairs could kill somebody, they would have (laughs) murdered everyone on stage except Kurt? That that look that Shu gives is frightening. Even (laughs) Puck looks like he's about ready to go beat some ass. <laughs> See, I, I mean, it looks like he's ready for his prison photo. 
that was an outside layer joke I didn't mean to make, but okay. <laughs> I I didn't see. No, I, I don't know. I say I thought they looked scared. I thought they looked for the first time know, that they, they had just this real looked, competition. I don't know. I always just thought they looked angry. I'll have to rewatch it, but no, I thought no, they I don't know about Mr. Shoe, but Puck looks angry, and I don't know if that what that says about Mark Selling and whether or not he's supposed to look scared and he just looks pissed or <laughs> or what, but it just he looks so mad, and yeah, I just Puck. I remember there was a lot of jokes about that because it's like, damn, you know. Yeah. You are right. Puck looks really, really pissed. Shu looks a little bit scared, but he, he just the look on his face is just funny. He's it's just, so mixed of and, and like. I feel like he's supposed to be really ups, upset, <laughs> not mad. Upset that Kurt is performing so with funny. another, you know. But it just does not come over that way. No, because in, if you look at the shot, like here's all these smiling, happy warblers, and this shot of Su- of shoe, just he looks possessed almost. It's just so weird. <laughs> and then you've got Rachel, like to the to like to the right of them or to the left of them or whatever, and she's over there going smile. <laughs> it's just such such a great collection of of audience shots that I just oh, it's just so weird. The expressions on their faces. Even the rest of the boys don't look thrilled. Yeah, that might have been. But um, yeah, yeah. going to this um, the song itself, though, I think I, I really love this cover of this song. Um, it is like any Warbler song that Kurt is in, except for Animal. Um, it is jarring to me when when Chris is or is uh, lip syncing because. Kurt has such a distinct voice. And that he is not he, in this either. He's not. Yeah. So, yeah, he's like... You can't hear him. You can't hear his voice, and it's mm-hmm. always jarring to me. I mean, 99 times out of 100, I can't really tell they're lip syncing. They do a great job. But whenever they try and make Chris do it and not while he's actually singing, I'm, I, I just don't buy it. No, <laughs> so. and, that, and, 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 that, and you're right. It is because he has such a distinctive voice that you can pick him out of almost every group sing in the background because of that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, on the plus side, I'm not really knocking the song at all for that um, because it is an adorable song. I love how Blaine plays up his performances, um, and it's just kind of a joy to watch. So They do a mean two-step. They do. <laughs> they do. They do. Can we talk for a minute about, um, well, let's give a shout out to the hipsters. Oh, yeah. yeah. The hipsters. Puck did want to knock one of them over and break a hip. (laughs) And they were so adorable. And that song always makes me cry. Oh. In the Living Years is so depressing. Mm -hmm. So depressing. It's more depressing now that I'm older than it was when I was a kid. (laughs) Oh, man. Um. Uh, I do want to also give a shout out. There are two times in um, in New Direction history before you know in seasons one through three that Rachel doesn't sing, and they are my two favorite set lists. This one <laughs> and Michael, and 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 uh, hold on to sixteen. Mm, yep. This and, is um, one of my favorite. This is probably my favorite sectionals. Just all oh, the yeah. voices overall with all the groups. Yes. Right. Now, I will say that while I love Time of Your Life, I'm not 100% into 
Cord and, and Diana? No, they were, I mean, but the performance sort of makes up for what the vocal lacks. Right. Well, and like, they're, they're, I hate to say it this way, but nothing else is coming to my head. They're kind of vanilla. Um, well, but <laughs> in, in this, I Oakley. mean, I, I want to just, you know, cause I, I actually think Cord is a really good singer. And I think Diana, when she sings, when she gets the rare moment that she gets to really use her lower register, it's actually quite interesting. Yes, uh, she but, has some really, 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 really good duets that I think where she sounds amazing. Right. Yeah. Um, but let's give a shout out to Valerie. I think Naya rocked that. And Valerie is probably one of the best just overall things that they did because the song itself is great. And it's an upbeat song. It's, it's you know, a really, like, a feel-good song. And um, and the dancing that they did was just amazing. The choreography, they did a really good job with that. Now, do we see any of um, the Warbler reactions? Because I don't have any in my notes. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, if we do, I think they they may only cut to Kurt sitting next to Blaine in the audience, but they're sitting in front of Mr. Shoe at that point, which is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Because I feel like he's staring daggers into the back of Blaine's head or something. Yeah. The only thing I really remember is when they come out the back and, like, Blaine does turn and oh, look. Oh, they do all turn around and he's, he has yeah. shit-eating grin on his face like, hey, that was really cool. Yeah, like, you could tell he really dug that whole thing. So that's the only thing I really remember is him turning around and, like, smiling with Sam mm-hmm. walking down the... The yeah, aisle, which was like the birth of yeah. Blam. <laughs> I love it. It's the birth of Blam! <laughs> Guys, our first Blaine Sam interaction. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, can we talk about that for a second? Okay. I mean, this, yeah. I'm about to throw you some obscure random fandom speculation from season two. Okay. Okay. When in Sam's first episode, he says he transferred from an, another school. Mm-hmm. And there was, because of this interaction between them, speculation that the school that Sam had transferred from was Dalton. <sighs> oh, I think I remember hearing about that. I don't know if it I didn't last that. for very long because it was obviously very clearly not the case. But we had a lot of fun with that during hiatus. That's true. That, that and you will fun. see there are some early claim fix where Sam is somebody that they end up spending time with because Sam and Blaine were friends. Oh, I think I might have even read a couple where Sam was Blaine's ex-boyfriend. <laughs> I need these. You need them? <laughs> I need these. I need to find them. That is, that is oh, my mean. gosh. I don't even know where to look for them, to be honest. Oh, I'll find them. Um, if they're, if they're <laughs> on the internet, I will find them. <laughs> um... If, for anyone who wants them, um, <laughs> I would say go to the Kurt Blaine Live Journal and then look through their archive for, uh, like, probably January 2011. Yep, right yeah. now. No, 2010. No, 2011. No, 2011, because it was oh. late 2010 when, they, when this stuff aired. So right. I would say that yeah. if those fix are out there, they're going to, will have been posted in the January to March time period. 
And I find um, them. <laughs> so, uh, kind of wrapping up this Hey Soul Sister, hey Soul Sister uh, part of it, um, they're, when they're all up on the stage, and Kurt, this is, wow, the more I, like, look at this episode, the more it makes more sense for Kurt wanting to go back. Um, he's, um, like, eyeing them as they're on stage, and you can tell he misses them, mm-hmm. and where Blaine just looks stoic, like, I'm a good American standing here. We <laughs> a good American? What? I should, I'll give you, like, I'm looking at my mirror, and I have this still where Kurt is, like, pensive, and he's like, oh, I miss my friends, and Blaine is like, I pledge allegiance to the flag. <laughs> what? <laughs> I will send you the photo. Hold on. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Let's see if I can do this over Skype. Oh, so funny. Oh... You guys keep talking while I try to do this. <laughs> That's hysterical. Like, proud to be an American. <laughs> See what I mean when I send it. Okay. <sighs> if anybody wants to know, look at my special education meta and uh, the whole sister. I, I sent it. Did you guys get it? Uh, on Skype. I'm not sure. Hang on. Go to the chat portion of it. Well, see. Oh, wait. Aha! Wow. Okay. Yes. I do kind of see what you mean there. (laughs) That's so funny. If the spine actually gets any more rigid, I mean... which makes no... But this doesn't have a judge's thing to it. Um, it's just that guy reading off answers and... We didn't get a judge's room for this episode? No, we didn't. Really? We don't, I don't... Oh, we had a... Judges are. They didn't even announce who the judges are, really, did they? Oh. No, no I don't think they did. This might be Probably one of the only they... competition episodes where they did not do that. There are a couple that they didn't, but... Um, but I think that because they spent so much time with the plot, because they have all of the, you know, Artie thinking Brittany cheated on him when she just really lost his magic comb. And oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, that whole nonsense. Oh, can I just and, say that real quick? Her line about motocross practice is one of her funniest lines, and it's so overlooked. Because everybody's <laughs> caught up in the losing the magic comb. Like, nobody thinks about Brittany's in motocross. <laughs> I oh, funny back. brings that up. It's the only time she ever talks about it, too. Yeah. But that's just what Brittany does in her spare time is motocross practice. Ex- mm-hmm. Might explain a lot. Maybe she's had repetitive head injuries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Brittany. Poor Brittany. I do love her. I yeah. love her. Um... So, um, well, uh, so, okay, so, yeah, so the tie, like I, you know, like I was saying earlier, I don't think it was originally going to be a tie. I think they were supposed to lose, and then that would eventually drive Kurt back to McKinley. Now, so, which brings us to this last scene of the episode uh, with Kurt. Which I feel like maybe was rewritten. Oh, yeah, that's what, like, everything about this scene seems... Like, more, um, I don't know, cohesive is the right word, more in line with the story that they did actually tell. Um, going forward with mm-hmm. the claims. 
And because it feels have... like there's more, and like you were saying earlier, that there's several parts in this episode where the friendship vibe is not necessarily there, or it's over, way overshadowed by the mentor vibe. Mm-hmm. And the friendship vibe is definitely back That's... in this scene. And it's so... Blaine kind of encroaches on Kurt's space. Holy cow! Like, they were touching! <laughs> Their thighs were touching! Are you kidding me? This this literal scene, I mean, woo, we dissected the shit out of it. Because... <laughs> Their thighs are touching, they're turned towards each other, and as upset as Kurt seems to be, he still it seems like he's blushing. Mm-hmm. And then Blaine touched his knee. Yep. Well, yeah. even like if you go and to, I fell uh, off my couch, you know. So go, if you go to my meta again, and I sent you guys another photo. Oh God. You- <laughs> I haven't gotten that one yet. I don't think it's part of uh, my Oh, oh yes, that one. Uh, yeah, it looks, you know, if you took this completely out of context, and again, it's in my special education meta, if you guys want to pull that it up. Looks and, like it looks like they're about to kiss. looks like they're about to kiss. It does. It does. Really Nicely capped. Nicely capped. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's definitely there. The UST is definitely there. Um, and it is about Kurt Stane, too. I mean, like, you know, he's worried about Pavarotti because he's worried about himself being trapped in this cage. And Blaine's Look, like, no. bird metaphor is back. <laughs> <laughs> A true staple. Well, and he <laughs> thought that, that Pavarotti was sick, but it mm. turns out that Pavarotti was just molting because mm. he's growing his new feathers. Right. And, you know, he just needs to adapt, and, which, again, is all for Kurt, mm-hmm. adapting to the Warbler's lifestyle. To his new environment. And, yep. So, and Blaine is very much, he's not really his mentor, but a, 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 like a friend saying, hey, I know this is hard, but hey, you know, I'm here, we're, you're good, it's going to be all good. And plus, we're going to go to regionals. Yep. And, yeah. Don't forget, Glee practices at five. Nudge, nudge. So, so yeah, this definitely feels like a different scene comparatively to the rest of the episode and taking it in that other direction that they gratefully go into. And then the last scene of Kurt in the episode is actually during Dog Days. Which is one of my favorite songs and one of my favorite performances. And and Kurt is so he's he's a little bit pensive, but he's happy. And well, he's well kind of towards the end of it, it, it starts out where he it feels like he's really thinking about what Blaine said, but then he just sort of smiles, and it's mm-hmm. such a great moment for him because you realize that even though he still feels like he's kind of lost himself for a minute in everything that's going on, he's 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 okay. Mm-hmm. And I I do love that. I do like that more than. I am so grateful, not just for Darren Chris, but just that this storyline went this way because I love the way this goes into the second half of season two and Kurt's stuff and the Clean stuff and he, and and Blaine's stuff is so delicious. That's you know going on this arc forward. So but it is such a, a great shot to end on for him, and it's really interesting that that song is because. You know, Rachel and Finn have really just really broken up. 
Oh, that's right. So there's all this stuff between them in in the in the scene in between the scenes of them singing and the scenes of them shooting you know going back to Kurt with with Pavarotti you can see she's standing in front of her locker taking off her fin necklace and taking down all the fin decorations and the the calendar where they have cat bodies and what have you and <laughs> you know and dances with Santana during that song Oh, uh, yeah. And she's just staring at him the whole time. Yep. Finn grabs Santana by the waist and kind of, like, twirls her around, and they go off and dance, and, like, Rachel's on the other side. Oh, boy. Well, so I think we've reached the end. Anything you guys wanted to mention about the rest of the episode, or...? Mm. Oh, we didn't talk about the first sectionals part where he says it kind of starts oh it's the first time that they repeat each other where Kurt goes for sectionals and Blaine goes for sectionals oh and they're walking down the stairs we totally missed the stair scene oh boy how did we do that we were busy talking about alternate timelines, I think, <laughs> or something. Yeah, well, because when he comes up and says that he talked, that's what it, well, because when they're coming down the stairs, that's what it is, they, they, he comes out and he says that, uh, well, I talked to them, and, and, and they're going to let you do an audition, and he goes, for sectionals? He's like, for sectionals! Oh, my dear sweet Blaine, I love you. And it's the first time that Blaine repeats something that he says, and it's such, a, like, this little thing and I don't know if it was spurred on by fandom and the writers took notice so they started writing it in or if it was literally the writers just thought that was the cutest thing ever so they kept making them do it I love that because it it happens I don't know if it happens again in season 2 I can't remember I'm drawing a blank but I know it happens again multiple times in season 3 right because of the layers moment. Well, because of the layers, and um, when Kurt says it's silly, and Blaine goes, it's not silly. Oh, that's right. And yeah. um, there's a couple, of, there's like a whole gift set on Tumblr that talks about all the re- them repeating each other that they do. And I just, it's such a great thing that I think for their relationship that they immediately either, you know, they repeat each other to either reaffirm what they've said and, or or to maybe, you know, and sometimes it's it's like, no. You know, that's not, okay, you yeah. know. So I just think it's such a great quirk of their relationship that they, they do that for each other. I think it's really fascinating. This episode, you know what, we made this episode way more fascinating than I've ever looked at it before. So <laughs> thank you for that. Um, but well, because it's, a, it's an episode that, if you look at it one way, could have been so many things, and then you look at it the way that everything actually went down afterwards as a result, and it's right. so, you feel it's like, like it's like, not what they meant it to be. Right, it's like one of those kaleidoscope things, that if you, like, turn it one way, it's one image, and you turn it the other way, it's another image, and it's oh, like... Oh, yeah, I, and, oh, um... There's a there's a specific word for that like like if you look at it one way there's like a really famous image like if you look at it one way it's a vase but if you look at it the other way it's two people standing face to face or like it's two faces you know what I'm talking about yeah like the op- optical illusion thing yeah, yeah it's like that how cool and I don't know of any other place in the series where it really they really veered off their original course like that I mean there's been some stuff like in between the seasons where you can tell but. Well, like, I would say other than season five, which, but that was taken out of their hands. 
Right. It wasn't that, something they intended. That was not their choice. That was that was because, unfortunately, with what happened to Corey, they had to make those changes. Right. But I don't think that they had a whatever. Oh yeah, I guess they did have a specific thing in mind. But but anyway, it was, it's always interesting to um, to uh, discuss and. And I, I kind of, I really now have a new appreciation for this episode. I mean, not that I didn't like it, it's a, a nice episode, but it, I think I have a new appreciation of it now, uh, kind of looking at it, that it's a, what could have been and, and how grateful we are that it went the way it did. Because so many times people kind of get down on the show for not doing it the way they want it to, but sometimes, it, I don't know, I think we really should take a step back and be like, well, it could have been X, Y, Z. and <laughs> Well, and I think the other thing is, especially with a lot of these episodes and when you haven't watched them for a while, you get a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And definitely I feel like going back and watching everything from a you know post-show standpoint, you do see things that maybe you didn't see the first time around. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and, and in part because, you know, being in fandom, you tend to get swept up in the fandom mentality about things, mm-hmm. whether you mean to or not. And that's not always necessarily a bad thing, you know, but I mean, so you may not be able to objectively view something like you would, you know, afterwards, right. Right. in a sense. So, so I've never gone that in depth about that episode either. <laughs> That's why I, I know, and I again, as everyone's probably tired of me here saying, you know, I've been loving these podcasts for that. So that I think it, to look at back, take a step back, look at the whole big picture and how this little piece fits in. It's just been fascinating and eye-opening and for a lot of well and it's weird to think that this is sort of a defining moment of season two because everybody and and before this episode i really felt like no that was that was never being kissed that was teenage dream that was that was the defining moment of season two but it's really Mm -hmm. not it's this episode because this episode literally could have gone so many different ways Mm -hmm. this was the crossroads of of season two and it's Nobody knows that, or nobody realized that at the time. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I want to wrap up the podcast and and thank you guys for such a fantastic discussion. I I, I didn't. I mean, I you know I always talk long, but to get an hour, two hours of of this episode that really doesn't have very much curtain plane in it is really kind of awesome. So <laughs> thank you for talking to me about it for the last couple hours. will be suspicious Gosh, lips look My brother will be there at the door Waves upon the tropical shore My name oh, 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 I want some more oh, oh, What are you waiting for? Take a bite of my heart Disabilities, let you out past bullied or seized. Rejoice and love yourself today, cause baby, you were born this no. way. So raise your glass if you are wrong in all the right ways. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to arrive. be the end of everything. Someone only go. 
to